Hi, this is Alan Ruff, the Thursday host of A Public Affair. If you have a moment and uh, the resources, remember to support the station. And if you will, head over to wrtfm.org to donate and to see what else is going on at the station. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. And good afternoon. Welcome to this, the Thursday edition, a special Thanksgiving Day edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. I thought we'd start today with uh, some words from Mark Twain, written in 1905. Thanksgiving Day, a function which originated in New England two or three centuries ago, when those people recognized that they had something to be thankful for annually, if not oftener, if they had succeeded in exterminating their neighbors, the Indians, during the previous 12 months, instead of getting exterminated by their neighbors, the Indians. Thanksgiving Day became a habit for the reason that in the course of time, as the years drifted on, it was perceived that the exterminating had ceased to be mutual. It was all on the white man's side, consequently on the Lord's side, consequently it was proper to thank the Lord for it. As part of what has become an annual Thanksgiving Day wart feature, my guest this hour is Will Williams. A familiar voice to many of you longtime wart listeners, Will is a combat veteran of the U.S. War on Vietnam, who later on became a notable veteran for peace in a voice of sanity in opposition to U.S. war and intervention. He's joining us today as he has done so for what? Oh, I think something like uh, approaching 15 years. Morning, Will, or good afternoon already. Uh, afternoon, Al. It's, uh, Thank you, Will. I, I, need you, I need you to give me time checks. Thank you. <laughs> you know, before getting into whatever, uh, Will and you, our listen, interested listeners, would like to take up during this hour, I thought some historical context might be appropriate. The first official Thanksgiving came 16 years after the Puritans' first winter when the Massachusetts Bay Colony Governor William Bradford designated, quote, a day of thanksgiving to be kept in all the churches for our victories against the Pequots. In part, Bradford was referencing what later became known as the Pequot Massacre, which took place on May 26, 1637, a mass slaughter it kept nearly four years of skirmishes between the Pe- Pe- excuse me, Pequot Nation um, of approximately 8,000 spread mainly across present-day Connecticut in a coalition of four early English colonies and allied indigenous rivals of the Pequot. On that day in 1637, a group of several hundred men, including a contingent of Narragansett and Mohegan pilgrim allies, surrounded the Pequot settlement at modern-day Mystic, Connecticut. Attacking just before dawn and after being repelled by the inhabitants, the marauders decided that instead of taking the Pequot village, that they would simply burn it down. The men set some 80 dwellings afire, sheltered to some 800 inhabitants, inhabitants. They gunned or cut down many of those who tried to escape the flames. <clears throat> In the aftermath of the attack, survivors were hunted down and slain or sold into slavery in what amounted to an ethnic cleansing of the tribe and the resultant opening up of its territory to increased settler colonists. The English even went so far as to outlaw the name Pequot. Years after the massacre, the pilgrim leader, the Reverend Increase Mather, asked his congregation to celebrate the victory that, thank God, and thank God that, quote, on, on this day we have sent 600 heathen souls to hell. For decades after, annual religious ceremonies and Thanksgiving fast days were dedicated to the Pequot Massacre's memory. Thanksgiving was made an official federal holiday in 1863 by President Abraham Lincoln. Some historians have suggested that the 16th president initiated the holiday to rouse rouse northern patriotism 
during the Civil War that was going was not going well for the Union at the Army at the time. The Great Emancipation Proclamation, by the way, came less than a year after he authorized what remains to this day the nation's single largest mass execution, the hanging of 38, 38 Sioux men in Mankato, Minnesota, on December 1862. <clears throat> All along, there have long been those who have looked to introduce correctives to the dominant mythologies and mass social amnesia regarding Thanksgiving. There have always been <clears throat> those who have refused to forget the day's true origins, nestled in settler colonialism, ethnic cleansing, and continent-wide genocidal mass murder inflicted on indigenous peoples right to this moment. As I read this, the 54th annual National Day of Mourning, a gathering of indigenous peoples and their allies organized by the United Native American Indians of New England, is taking place around Coles Hill, overlooking Plymouth Rock at Plymouth, Massachusetts, a ceremony of remembrance and protest against the racism and oppression that indigenous peoples continue to experience worldwide. Will Williams, once again, as in years past, I find myself, I find myself wondering, do I have a feedback here? <clears throat> once again, as yeah, in year, years past, I find myself wondering what you're thinking about, Will, a day that was originally set aside as a day of national reflection. I imagine you've been reflecting about all sorts of concerns and issues. What's on your mind today? What are you thinking about? About all the lies we've been told uh, throughout my life from the early days of history in, in this country up to the present, where we, we're still getting the same lies and misinformation, which has not allowed uh, this country to come to the point where it was supposed to be a, a, a country for all people. We, we haven't reached that, and I don't think we've gotten much closer throughout the years. I know, Will, that, that amidst everything else going on in your world, that the ongoing tragedy in the Middle East has weighed heavily on you, as it has for so many of us. I imagine that the brief history that I touched just now touched upon might have triggered thoughts of some parallels or continuities with that seemingly distant past. Give us your thoughts yeah. on that, what we're witnessing yeah. now in, in its relation to that past. It did. When I think of what's uh, going on now in Gaza, in the West Bank, uh, I go back to the early days when I was thinking of uh, how America did the indigenous people here of how starting, I'll say, with, with Thanksgiving on this idea of religion, uh, the Christianity, that the people now that are screaming, we're, we're Christians, we believe, and they have the same uh, MO as those did back in the days of the Pequot massacres. It's nothing changed. And when I look at what's happening in Palestine right now, and I think of how the United States have supported Israel since day one and really haven't given much thought to the Palestinians uh, of how Israel has moved in uh, farther into the West Bank with their settlements. And each time the United Nations would try to bring a resolution forward to help the Palestinians, the United States vetoed it. Uh, even a week or so ago after the October 7th uh, incident in, in, in Israel, uh, I listened to the president speak, and initially he was only speaking of Israel's right to defend itself. And I say, what about the right of the people in the land which was 
they many of the people were uh moved out back in in, in the forties and the sixties, uh when Israel first uh became uh a state and how they've encroached deeper and deeper and it made me think of the United States and Mexico when they first went into Mexico of where the borders were initially at the Pecos River and how the United States moved farther in, I think another 250 miles. So I see the same thing happening there that happened here in this country. And people seem to be complacent about it. People only think of Israel defending themselves. But what about the rights of the Palestinians to have the right of self-determination to govern themselves? And they've never been able to do that. And they have nowhere to go. When I looked when Israel was bombing, telling them to move to the south, you know, of how... Those people have been oppressed for so long, I'll say back since uh, 1947 and since 1967 for sure, when it, when Israel started moving farther in. And those ideas of peace, having a two-state uh, it's solution, I don't think it's, it's possible. People have said it's impossible, but if Israel will go back to their borders, their original borders, out of 1967 borders, and allow Palestinians to come back and claim their land that was driven out. I think it'll make a big difference of having peace in that region. You're listening to Veteran for Peace, Will Williams. Once again, he and I are doing this annual Thanksgiving Day edition of a Public Affair. Uh, but it's also your program. If you're listening out there and you want to get in with a question, a comment, an observation, um, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, or you can dial in directly at 608-467-5627. Again, there's two possibilities today. Uh, you can call 608-256-2001, extension 9, or 608-467-5627. Of course, the U.S. foreign policy is always connected to uh, domestic concerns. What on the... Uh, on the domestic side, the domestic social and political climate uh, has caught your attention of late. The way people still uh, cater to the groups here in in the United States, the politicians especially, where they go, I think the first stop is at uh, APEC, which uh, influences the way I believe that they vote on issues when it comes to uh, Israel. Uh, I think of the military-industrial complex and how the defense contractors, how they must be really gleeful to see what's going on in Israel because the United States is furnishing the bombs, the missiles and stuff. So it's, to me, it's all about the money, less about people in general, but more about what we need to do to keep our strategic so-called democratic areas are safe. So it, it, it's hard. It, it's hard for me to sit and enjoy uh, the days in this country. Because of that, I feel lost because really uh, it's nothing I can do about it alone as one. And it seems as though you can't get enough people together to really uh, impress, uh, force these people to do the right things. Because in 
normal conversations when I talk about this now, uh, what's going on, people say, well, uh, Israel has got that right. Yes, they have that right, and so do the Palestinians. But why should the United States allow the people in Palestine to be murdered or genocide to happen in, in that part of the region? Uh, I, I, I can't understand it. And it it tears me up to, 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 to see, you know, what's going on. Again, if you want to join us this hour, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, or directly at 608-467-5627. What are you, our listeners, thinking about today? What are you going to be doing today? Um, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? Give us a call. Again, I'll repeat that number, 608-256-2001, extension 9, or 608-467-5627. Will Williams, I'm wondering if you caught the reports of the recent speech by uh, former President uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, the, no, I, I didn't watch it, but I saw... Uh blips of it on 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 the news you know it's quite quite incredible um well what was it he said that he referred to uh, the need to drive out the vermin from uh from the country the that are undermining uh the land of the free and the home of the brave uh even the new york times uh, referenced uh, his talk as being, um, well, outright fascist. Oh, I was fumbling around in my notes here. Yeah, speaking in New Hampshire on Veterans Day, of all days, what used to be known as Armistice Day, the increasingly authoritarian demagogue told a crowd of his admirers that, quote, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, the Marxists, the fascists, the rabble-left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country that lie and steal and cheat on elections. He went on to state that the threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Our threat is from within. You know, I noted that I couldn't, I thought it kind of remarkable and not so much that the, uh, even the mainstream press, the New York Times, for example, Use the F word, that is fascism, to describe Trump's rhetorical sputum. And here we are, we're well, we're a year away from the elections, uh, and he's really it appears to me anyway to be building a fascist base. Yeah, and he looked at those words right out of Hitler's playbook. That's the language that they use, and many of the uh, dictators have 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 done that. Uh, the problem here, I think, uh, I don't look at this party, uh, the Republican Party, as a party anymore. The people like, uh, it was okay back during Abraham Lincoln's day, the Abraham Lincoln Republican. But now, to me, since Trump came in, it's more or less a cult where they believe whatever he he'd say. Uh, they believe in his power, that he has this power to do those things. So, and I think that's why you can't get anything done uh, in, 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 in Congress because, because of this. Too many people drinking the Kool-Aid that uh, to me, it's the same as uh, Jim Jones and the people he had in Guyana when he literally had them drink the Kool-Aid that took them out of their misery. And sometimes I've been thinking maybe that's what needs to happen here, that Trump maybe should realize that he'll be defeated and, and take those, whatever you want to call them, along with him. 
because they're not doing anything good for the country, themselves, or anyone else. You know, Will Williams, in, in prepping for the um, <clears throat> for this program today, I went back through my notes from previous years, the things to talk about, and I came across the, this little tidbit that you might recall. Uh, back in 2003, uh, uh, George W. Bush uh, flew to Baghdad, Iraq, to celebrate Thanksgiving Day with the U.S. troops who had recently yeah. invaded the country. He sought to rally the public behind that invasion based on a pack of lies. A host yeah. of press photographers snapped him carrying a glazed turkey to eager soldiers. In three hours, he flew home, and TV brought his act of solidarity and generosity to millions of U.S. living rooms. But the thing was that the turkey Bush carried to Baghdad was never eaten. It was made of cardboard or paper mache. It was a stage prop. And that to me spoke uh, us then and now speaks legions to, uh, well, to the facades that are created through uh, manipulation in the dominant media. Not very, very far afield from, you know, uh, all of that kind of politic, uh, fake spectacle, uh, setting a stage to, for for Trump and worse. Yeah, yeah, and I even think of the guy. I think it was from Arizona, the football player that uh, they made a hero, and then his mother came forth and got the truth of what really happened to him. He was killed by his own men. I tell him was his name. It was a professional football player. But I'm saying... Tillman, maybe? Yes, his name was Tillman. Yeah. Yeah, Pat Tillman, I think. But, you know, people hear these things. They feel good uh, at the time. And I think many of them know that it's a chance that it's not true. Like, I've gotten skeptical of what most of the politicians say anymore. I, 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 I don't believe in my heart that uh, they're telling the truth about it, telling the whole thing. They might uh, give you a little information, but the real answer they, they won't give. Uh, I was looking at the stuff that they're supposed to be finding uh, under this Al-Shia hospital in, in uh, Gaza, and the IDF did the same thing that Bush did uh, in Iraq, where they embedded the journalists. You know, the journalists had to go in with them. They had to turn their information over to them to get permission to what they could release. And to hear politicians here say that the command center is on the Hafsifa hospital. And they found weapons there, some prisoners there. And this hasn't been confirmed by uh, neutral journalists that, that were there. They were only allowed to see so much after the IDF has been in. And I put nothing beyond the Israelis as what people in this country have done in this police department, these police departments, law enforcement, where they have planted equipment of weapons. So for someone to jump on that, that haven't been to that area and perhaps don't know as much about it as you, to conclude that Yes, this was gives uh, them the right to bomb this hospital. Uh, so it, it's the same thing, and it's not getting any better. You know, I um, just yesterday I, I was uh, sent a a link to a series of articles uh, about a pronouncement that uh, the former prime minister, Israeli prime minister Ehud Barak, made um, in, in international networks regarding the fact that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 
that the bunkers or tunnels uh, uh, underneath a Shifa hospital were constructed by the uh, by Israeli engineers back when um, when it was a different situation in Gaza. Um, so you know the truth gets gets wrapped up in well all sorts of perfidious uh, lies and propaganda. There's this propaganda war constantly going on, constantly going on. 608-256-2001, extension 9, or 608-467-5627. Jade tells me that we do have a caller on the line. Hello, Gary, you're on the air. Hi, Alan. Thank you for the show. You always do great stuff. Um, I wanted to address, I just have like three comments and a question. I'll be quick. Uh, the Chicago speech where uh, Trump was saying knock the hell out of him when he had the uh, the rowdy person in the crowd who happened to be black. Uh, his wife said that Hitler's diary was at his bedside and he read it every night, his first wife. Um, and APEC, the funding for the reps is uh, is totally out of line and we're basically... Basically, I think all of our, the question is, is all of the, the support that we give Israel to weapons, um, and they are the largest recipient of our, our aid. And I'll take my, uh, your response off the air. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Comments, Will? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, you know, you touch, Gary, you touch upon a, a number of things there. Um the funding, uh, just the military funding in what some over $3 billion a year uh, was given an additional $1.8 billion uh, uh, more recently. Uh, there's that that open tap that certainly uh, could go to so much else, so much else. 608-256-2001, extension 9, or... Four six seven five six two seven. And another tidbit I dug out um, from a um, uh, you know previous rendition of this uh, previous edition of this uh, program years past was was the fact that as part of the Thanksgiving ritual each year, usually some days before the holiday. There's this ceremony at the White House where the <clears throat> president comes out and grants a pardon to two turkeys, sparing sparing them both from the chopping block in the oven. I've often found myself wondering about the irony, or maybe some grand metaphor, metaphor perhaps, regarding the fact that the two reprieved birds happen to be white. Now, of course, we all know that all commercial turkeys are white, their original color genetically eliminated. But the thought has crossed my mind regardless uh, that you know the, the white turkeys get the reprieve. 256-2001, extension 608-256-2001, extension uh, 9, with a caller, uh, with a, if you have a question, an observation, a comment, uh, what are you doing this Thanksgiving Day? Uh, how how are you uh, celebrating? If you celebrate, if you don't, how how so? Um, give us a call six zero eight two thousand and one. I guess I guess people are busy today. Will nobody's giving us a call? We got Gary so far. Yeah, well, it's it's a good day for families to meet, but. I think many times people meet on this day for the wrong reasons, you know, preparing for tomorrow, you know, to get ready to go out for Black Friday. Well, I'm wondering. We've never really celebrated Thanksgiving in the sense of what we we learned early in, in school. It's always been just another day that the families are off work and we're able to come together. It had nothing to do with 
this did be named in the day of Thanksgiving by Abraham Ham, Ham Lincoln. No, it had nothing to do with that. We just appreciated having the time off to where we could get together, you know, missing a day's work again. Well, Williams, I'm wondering if you if you ever thought about the increasing militarization. You know, today's big day of professional football and all the spectacle that accompanies it. I was wondering if you've ever th- have you ever think about the increasing militarization of the spectacle, the flyovers and the gigantic draped flags, and yeah. um, and so uh, on. It's 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 become a big part of the uh, national game. To uh, an increasing part, it seems year by year. Yeah, and I noticed. Uh, well, I'll say in two thousand and two, really when I start noticing that uh, everything is done now by, in the schools, uh, at uh, athletic events, uh, the flags are there, many troops are there, uh, awards given. And I said back then that it was to show patriotism for people that don't know what patriotism is to uh, influence people to support the uh, militarism that, that's happening. And like it, it takes me off to see the number of troops that be at football games and they'll be there today and named, you know, the units. Uh, it, I remember when football didn't have none of that crap, when they didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance, they didn't come out on the field. The players stayed in the tunnels until time for the game. I watched the man lose his his job because of him speaking out. I'm speaking of Colin Kaepernick, who spoke of what was really happening, and he was blackballed by the NFL and call a derogative name by Trump and how people still still fall for it. They, they are happy to jump up and put their hand over their heart and to do the pledge. And I, I can't understand how people can be so blind for so long. Uh, and it, it, it tears at my heart to, to see it. When when it it, it it means nothing, it, it it means nothing. People get angry because I don't uh, pledge allegiance, or I don't respect a flag, you know. And people say, "Well, how could you fight for it?" I wasn't fighting for for for, the, for that rag. Uh, you know, I think you know. I already quoted Mark Twain at the, at the uh, start of the hour. Um, the uh, British uh, writer, um, man of words, Samuel Johnson, once said that patriot patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels. And yes. it's it was said that Mark Twain added added a couple of words. Twain quipped back um, that patriotism is the last refuge of scoundrels and fools. 608-256-2001 or 608, that's extension 9, or 608-467-5627. What else can we talk about, Will? We we, We got some time. You know, I got another quote here that I always find interesting. Mark Twain is always a font. People people have to get more deeply into Twain if you haven't, aside from his famous works, you know, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer or Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Um, his political writings, such as uh, Letters to Earth or, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, really far-sighted. He, he, by the way, was a leading figure in the in protest to the uh, 
so-called Spanish-American War, in which, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in which the U.S. Uh, snatched the Philippines, uh, Cuba, Puerto Rico, and other places uh, from a dying Spanish Empire. Uh, uh, he became a, a leading voice in what was then called, at the turn of the tw uh, 20th century, the Anti-Imperialist League. So Twain's a guy that we uh, we should look to. Um, he, uh, in in his an eighteen ninety seven work entitled "Following the Equator," Equator Twain wrote that during the depression of the nineties, he uh, that the observation, uh, the observance, excuse me, of Thanksgiving Day as a function has become general of late years. The thankfulness is not so general. This is natural. After all, two-thirds of the nation have always had hard luck and a hard time during the year, and this has a calming effect upon their enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, during, during the Great Depression, the spectacle continued. The, the observances went on. So, yeah. I wonder how long uh, books like that and other books will be able to will be on the, on the shelves or in libraries since it's such a big move has been taking place to whitewash history as it is. I wonder if any of his books will come up on the chalk, chopping block. Yeah. I yeah. I I well I imagine some of his books. Uh, already have, uh, especially because they're written in a language uh, of the period in which he wrote, uh, which used words uh, that, well, are, are, have been expunged uh, from our vocabulary, um, importantly for good reason. Uh, but I, I think to take him out of context entirely uh, is a, a mistake as well. 608-256-2001 or that's extension 9 or 608-467-5627 so what else will what uh, else should we talk so, about so, yeah well I want to mention something about voting rights that the case uh, is coming before the Supreme Court U.S. Supreme Court on, on voting rights and how I've often questioned, you know, why every, I think it was 25 years, the voting right that uh, LBJ signed had to be reapproved, you know. If we're all citizens, we all should have that, that right without it depending upon uh, the people that are, in Congress at the time, you know, is what it boils down to, or with the makeup of the Supreme Court. And, you know, I've seen much of it has been lost uh, by the Supreme Court, and the case is coming to them again. So I just wonder if that day is coming when they'll say, well, you can't black. You can't vote. Yeah. And they're using every obstacle they can put in the way to keep people from voting. But to have it written, you know, that you can't use this article to vote anymore because we've transcended from that point. In '64 up to now, we're better, which is all bull. You know, that that's the stuff that that eats on me, watching and 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 seeing it, and knowing what happened over the years. Six zero eight two five six two thousand and one extension nine, or six zero eight four six seven five six two seven. I'm trying to think what else uh, you kind of 
kind of t- we tore through my, my notes. Usually, I have far more than I can use in any given hour. But this day, we're, we're coming up a, a little short. Yeah, I, I want to recognize. Go ahead. That's Say again. Not getting the calls as normally happen. Well, it's usually some. Uh, oh, uh, our our engineer Jack reminds me uh, that the the Packers game is on, which <laughs> so ears and eyes uh, uh, are are somewhere else for a lot of folks. It ties in nicely with with the uh, the earlier question and your comment about uh, the spectacle of mass uh, spectator sports. Yeah. 608-256-2001. The language, uh, I, I often marvel at the language. It's so Orwellian. Um, and in laden with... Um, uh, if you deconstruct some of it, laden with, uh, uh, well, a kind of cultural racism. Um, that I thought it interesting that you used the term whitewashed, that the history has been whitewashed, um, that it has in more than one way. Um, and, uh, oh, Jay tells me that we do have a caller and that I'm happy to see. Hello, Nora. You're on the line. Hello, hello, hello. I have to leave in 10 minutes with my goods to go to a potluck. I'm just calling because you touched upon one of my pet peeves, which is uh, the way people feel about some of Mark Twain's book, specifically Huck Finn. And I just cannot believe how idiotic it is that they'll it is forbidden it is completely forbidden i work in the in mmsd in the madison school district and no we can't have huck finn because the n-word is in there but he's not he's not saying he has a character saying it a and b it's the most incredible anti-slavery book so i i've had arguments with people at, uh, and and i'm always people just sort of glare at me so anyway, that's my story. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Nora. I um, I appreciate that. Um, six zero eight two five six two thousand and one extension number nine number nine or six zero eight four six seven five six two seven. I've been reading. Uh, an interesting book uh, that people should uh, tune into by the great uh, Columbia University historian Rashid Khalidi. That last name is K-H-A-L-I-D-I. It's about the Hundred Years' War uh, f- for for Palestine, uh, and it's it's a remarkable book in that his family has deep historical roots in Palestine. So he weaves the family's, family's history uh, with the historical uh, developments spanning over 100 years from the early, early 20th century uh, to the near present. Jared, hi, you're on the air. Hi there, yes. I was wondering if we could uh, hear you discuss with our guest um, sort of the co-opting of religion uh, theological language within the space of these civic holidays like Thanksgiving and then just recently with uh, Veterans Day. Well, from my van, I'm sorry, Will? Yeah. Yeah, but I see the connection and the like when you read about end of the war, most of the wars in the history have been uh, caused by religious, their religious wars. Veterans Day being changed, uh, I think, in the 50s, from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. I think that was part of that, that movement to begin to try to garnish or get uh, people to be more, uh, I would say, supportive 
uh, this country's endeavors of going into other countries uh, violently or to sell the material of the people that support the politicians, and I'm speaking of the uh, weapons builders, uh, Raytheon, the Boeing, the people that build these bombs and all this stuff. I think it was uh, a move toward that starting then to change it from Armistice Day and make it make it Veterans Day to to to, to influence people. I'll I'll say. Now it came about, of course, Will, at this at the same time that the name of the War Department was changed to the Department of uh, uh, Defense uh, right. back in right. the very early moments of the Cold War, late forties. Um, I wanted to comment uh, uh, on on Jared's question a little bit further, and that has to do with the fact that um, in this country uh, and in certainly certainly in in Israel and elsewhere, that religion and nationalism get intertwined, entangled, uh, collapse in upon each other so that uh, there, there's it gives birth to a kind of, well, a kind of state religion, that nationalism is, is the faith. Um, it's all wrapped up in, in, in U.S. history with American exceptionalism, going all the way back to the early settlement of uh, Plymouth and Massachusetts Bay colonies. Uh, was it uh, Jonathan? No, William Bradford, perhaps, uh, in his sermon talking about the pilgrim uh, or separatist experiment uh, as a charter company uh, in the Massachusetts Bay Colony talked about uh, a city upon a hill for the uh, rest of the nations, the, the rest of the world, really, to look toward as a as a God-sanctioned, heaven-sanctioned uh, experiment in the wilderness. And of course, that wilderness wasn't empty. There was always people there. And um, so we could play, I've done programs on this in the past with, with several historians about uh, American exceptionalism, often wrapped in the, in the language of uh, religious mission, manifest destiny, uh, and so on. We got just a few minutes left, and of course the lines start lighting up. Um, Harry, hi, you're on the air. Hi, yeah, thanks very much for the show. Always enjoy listening to you and Will. Just like to ask if you guys have had a chance to see Rustin, the new movie about Bayard Rustin, the civil rights leader, uh, that's on Netflix now. And I'll take my answer off the air, and uh, happy uh, holidays. Thank you for your time. Bye. I've just seen previews for it, Harry, and I, I intend to get to it. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, same here. I haven't seen the movie. I've seen the clips. Uh, Anne is waiting online. Hi, Anne. You're on the air. Yeah, hi. Um, thank you. I've been listening to your program, and I appreciate it. Um, and I don't know if we've moved off topic or not, but um, I, I think you'd probably be a good expert um, to explain what was happening with Netanyahu and his Supreme Court what he was trying to do that uh, created a real protest. Uh, and that was kind of, it just preceded the current uh, situation in, in Gaza and Israel. And I'm, I'm just curious if there's any connection. And I'll listen off the air. Thank you. Well, one of the things, of course, is, is that the protests against it had to do centrally with the fact that many within Israeli society saw the moves by Netanyahu, uh, not just in regard to the, these courts, but in other uh, venues or other parts of the, of the uh, state <clears throat> uh, that were anti-democratic. Uh, we have to keep in mind that akin to or related to what I was saying earlier about nationalism and religion uh, collapsing upon each other, that there are elements to the right of Netanyahu, parties to the right of Netanyahu, that have cabinet positions, 
uh, form the coalition who uh, in, in essence don't believe in democracy after all it's, it's not in the Bible uh, I'll look I'll, I'll look for someone to uh, talk about that at some point thanks for the suggestion we're going to squeak one more final caller in if they could keep it short Douglas hi you're on the air hi I just want to tell you a few things I'm thankful for Go ahead. The election in the election in Argentina turned out very well. The election in the Netherlands turned out well. Israel is kicking the terrorist ass, and I'm ashamed that Madison let the Nazis march. Well, that was quite a a mixture there. The uh, get right rightist governments in winning in Argentina and the Netherlands, uh, but but. The caller was it's a shame that Madison let the Nazis march. I saw pictures of the Nazi march, and it certainly um, wasn't publicized at all. There was no no response to it because people didn't know about it. So right down to the end of the hour, I'm going to have to uh, let Will Williams, uh, my valued guest and valued, more valuable friend, go uh, for this hour. Um Will, a final word, a brief word. Yeah, I was listening to the last caller saying uh, Madison let the Nazis march. Uh, it, it wasn't a let. They have the right to, to march, as other groups do. So I just wanted yeah. to make that point. Yeah, they just uh, they didn't even apply for a permit or whatever. Uh, everybody was caught off guard from what I understand. I want to thank uh, Jack for engineering, Jade for helping to produce this hour, uh, Will, of course, for being my annual Thanksgiving Day uh, collaborator. And I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff, and I'll be speaking with you next week. Commandeering airways from unknown positions. Live and direct, we're coming